Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test, based in Annapolis, Maryland, reconnecting knowledge and virtue. Visit us at cltexam.com. Hello, and welcome back to the CLT offices. We're glad you're here. Today, we're joined by Michael Ortner, a philanthropist, a CEO, a homeschooling dad of six, and an investor in CLT. If this is your first time listening to us, I'd like to take a little bit of time to explain what Anchored is. This is a podcast where our CEO, Jeremy Tate, engages in conversations with leading thinkers on issues at the intersection of education and culture. We appreciate your feedback, so please rate and review this episode and send any questions or comments to anchored at cltexam.com. Registration is open for the August 21st CLT. The CLT is a remotely proctored alternative to the SAT and ACT. You can take the CLT from anywhere in the world and from the comfort of your own home. And for students applying to Belmont Abbey College, you can take the August 21st CLT for free. To learn more, visit our website at cltexam.com. Now, without any further ado, let's get on with the conversation. Welcome back to the Anchor Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. We are here for part two uh, in a series with Michael Ortner, philanthropist, investor, visionary, uh, and uh, coach to me here at CLT. Uh, he's an, an investor and a, a member of our board of directors, and he's a homeschooling dad uh, of six as well. Uh, Michael, great to be back with you this morning. Uh, so, Michael, you talk a lot about beauty and truth and goodness and reintroducing wonder into um, education, and that's something that CLT is, you know, really really big on. Um, So what really made you interested in getting involved with CLT as an investor and mentor? And how do you see CLT uh, reforming education as well? Yeah, well, when I, you know, I had heard about CLT a little bit prior to meeting Jeremy a couple years ago. Um, But at the end of the day, we do need. um, So first of all, it's interesting because there is one of the problems we have in our schools is they teach to the test. It's an acknowledged problem. It's one of the reasons why uh, wonder is beaten out of kids. When you're just teaching the test, it's a problem with the AP classes. Um, And it's why we're seeing more and more schools get rid of AP is because it's, it's taking what was a good idea of, hey, let's take our more advanced students in this subject area and give them a more advanced class. Um, but the problem is now they're just teaching to that test and it's, it's, it's wonder killing. Um, so there's a, been a problem with these. There's been an overemphasis on testing. And a lot of this is driven by the machine of the college board and, and the ACT and whatnot. So what I love about the CLT vision is, uh, great, we're going to introduce a metric that is going to encourage a, a form of education that is much more focused on the classics and development of virtues and do so in a way that is proactively reined in. We don't want the, we don't want to overemphasize uh, the test and we want to impact. We know how much these curriculums are driven by the test. So if you can develop a test that focuses much more on beautiful texts and comprehending beautiful texts that would then encourage 
uh, our students to interact with these beautiful texts prior to coming in, it's not the kind of thing you can really cram for. So one of the knocks of the SAT and the ACT is all these prep tests that students end up doing, all these prep classes. And the best preparation for a CLT test, the, the kind of test that CLT has developed, is to receive a great classically liberal education. Um, and when you look at the impact these tests have on curriculums, it would be great to develop something that could actually impact it in a positive way. So, yeah, the, Jeremy and, his, and the team they've put together at CLT, they have, su- they have such a beautiful vision for the role of the test and what education should be. And I'd much rather have that in the, I'd much rather have CLT leading the way in what middle schools and high schools are aspiring to than a watered down version of what we're getting in our current standardized tests. So very exciting to me. Michael, I'm recording this podcast uh, from the summer conference uh, for the Institute uh, for Catholic Liberal Education. I'm up here in Minneapolis right now. Uh, another great initiative uh, that you are very heavily involved in as well. And I had a chance to address uh, the conference on the first night as, as part of the welcome and told the story of these uh, Dominican sisters at Mountain Cells Academy where I used to work and the way they would kind of bemoan the influence of College Board. I remember one of them saying, you know, we would we would do a lot more philosophy here. We would do a lot more scripture here and theology here if it wasn't for the influence of College Board. And I am just so grateful to you uh, that you believed in our vision you know, early on and have been such a big supporter. Um, there are two other big initiatives now that are kind of new uh, to you. I want to talk about B-School uh, and Run with the Saints. Uh, these are two things that, that when we talk every week that you're super passionate about. Um, let's hear about B-School first. Uh, I'm really excited about this idea of connecting students, uh, great, uh, you know, liberal arts majors from some great colleges, but introducing them uh, to the business world. So tell us what you're doing with B-School. Yeah, sure thing. So, um, and by the way, Institute for Catholic Liberal Education is doing amazing things as well in the world of Catholic schools. I can take just a quick moment. When you look at, I mean, the Catholic school story is a sad one. So there used to be, if you go back to the 1960s, we had five and a half million students enrolled in Catholic schools. We are now down to 1.6 million. It even declined during the COVID year yeah. when Catholic schools were open. And while some Catholic schools thrived through that, as, as a, in the aggregate, they declined. And But the good, that's the bad news in the world of Catholic schools, but the good news is because of groups like Institute for Catholic Liberal Education um, and other people doing great things, there are shining light examples of Catholic schools who are doing great, who are um, who have fixed, who have basically turned around their product, have fixed their curriculum, have fixed their content, focused on the true good and beautiful, uh, do classics, and are have gone from being on the verge of closing to doing uh, to doing. Uh, to have record enrollment and having waiting lists. And there are numerous examples of these Catholic schools, dozens of examples of these Catholic schools around the country that, that I think can be a model for all these other Catholic schools who are, who are suffering. Um, so anyway, and the, and the ICLE is probably the number one group that are leading the way in that charge. So I'm definitely a big fan of them. So, yeah. uh, so B school. Um, so it is the latest, uh, um, it, it is 
the start. It is a startup that I'm in the middle of right now of, of helping to get off the ground. And so B school simply is a, it's a, you can call it a, a business boot camp, if you will, um, for humanities and liberal arts majors who want to uh, go into the business world. So, uh, and the, the need for it and, and you know, my, the impetus for it, it comes from a few different places. Number one, so many, so we're targeting philosophy majors, history majors, uh, literature majors, uh, great books majors. Um, we think these students have made a great choice in what to study in college. They are investing in their education in the right way. When you study history, literature, philosophy, it is uh, there's huge long-term benefits to gaining a greater understanding of humanity, of reading about the greatest people, events, and ideas that have shaped our world, our culture, our history. And when you when you study that in the right way, you are positioning yourself to be a better citizen, a better parent, a better um, a better worker, um, an entrepreneur, you name it. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of these majors. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm also a fan of math and physics too. Uh, and in fact, I think those are great majors, but at the end of the day, most students aren't going to go be a math or physics major. Um, you know, most people aren't, uh, either don't have that talent or they don't have that passion. And you really need to have both the talent and passion to want to go serious into math and science. So that's going to be, you know, whatever, 10 or 20% of your students are going to go that path. And that's great too. Um, but I think for the students that don't go that path, I think the humanities path is super valuable. Um, and I want to encourage students to do it. There are too many forces that are discouraging students from doing that. And this could be well-meaning parents who are asking them, oh, well, what are you going to do with the philosophy major? Um, and guess what? Your typical 18-year-old kid, no matter how smart they are, how are they going to respond to that? Uh, I don't know. And that's right, because an 18-year-old doesn't have the experience to be able to answer that question. But if for an 18-year-old to realize that studying philosophy or history or literature is a beautiful thing and it's time well spent, yeah. oh my gosh. I sure didn't have that wisdom when I was 18 years old, hmm. but we can make up for that. We can real, we can recognize the beauty of these majors, encourage it. And then I am utterly convinced if those, for a lot of those students, they should be entering the business world. Um, I, let's make no mistake. I'm a big fan of the business world. If you want to, if you really want to make a big difference, the business in the world and have an impact on the world, the world of business is a great place to do that um there's we there's all we have a huge need of all sorts of products and services um and business people are the ones who generally make that happen entrepreneurs make that happen so i believe that i can take a a liberal arts major and, and we i'm using liberal arts and humanities broadly and i'm trying to be more specific by i, I would encourage the majors that i've mentioned but I believe I can take your um, a history major or literature major who's interested in the business world, okay. but who knows nothing about it. Hmm. I believe I can take that person and in 
seven and teach them through our program, seven classic business books and seven business skill sets in seven weeks. Okay. And I believe they can have a better business education and foundation for entering the business world and doing any role in it than I received in being a finance major mm. at one of the top undergraduate business schools in the country at Georgetown. I believe that we can take a history major from some other liberal arts college or state college and better prepare them than I was prepared or that any business major is prepared wow. to enter into the business world. Um, so that that's the it's the chance to give these take great students and and look the uh, we want to then connect them at the end of the program connect them with great companies that have great career tracks and training programs for uh, early stage employee like college graduates mm-hmm. and connect them with these companies who right now aren't really recruiting them hmm. it's a it's there's a gap. And the reason why uh, top uh, business tech companies or online media companies are not hiring these students is twofold. Um, n- number one, first of all, if you're these students, you're, you look, your typical history and literature and philosophy major is absolutely clueless about the business world. They have no idea what opportunities are available to them. And the unfortunate reality is they're the ones who are going into the business world are getting they're going into jobs that are just sort of okay. Um, they're okay paying. Um, they're okay in terms of career prospects. They're okay in terms of being fulfilling and challenging. There are much better job opportunities out there that are much more fulfilling. Well, they're going to learn a lot that are more lucrative, that will set them off and put them in a position where they can you know, grow into being a sales leader or a marketing leader or a product leader or a COO or an entrepreneur or wherever they want to do. Um, so some of it is ignorance on the part of these humanity students. But the other part of it is, on the if you look from the perspective of all these companies, when they're going to hire, they, look, they hire lots of college students every year to come into uh, fascinating roles where you don't need tech experience. These are like advisor type roles that um, that the students aren't even really aware of um, that are often in the organizations of like sales and client service that students weren't even thinking about that there'd be great roles for them potentially there. But these companies, they're not hiring. They're not looking for, believe it or not, they're not looking for philosophy students. And why is that? Um, a big part of it is in my conversations with people in these industries that do recruiting is that they're too much of a risk. If you, they're a flight risk. Hmm. If you, when you hire a, um, you hire a history major who may have been thinking they were going to be a teacher or go to grad school or something. And then they decide they didn't want to do that. Oh, I'll give the business world a try. Well, guess what? A lot of these history majors, they don't know what they're in for. They don't understand what they're getting into. And, and they're going to, they're going to quit after six months at a higher rate than someone who was a sales major. Okay. Um, and, and what a sad reality that is that there are now sales majors in college. Like what, what a terrible way to spend four years. But, <laughs> uh, we can talk about that another time. But um, they, 
because they don't know what they're getting into. Whereas a sales major, they know what they're getting into. They've had probably a lot of sales. I mean, they've had sales classes. They've had sales experience. They know what they're getting into. So who's going to do better in year one, two, and in years one and two? Hmm. Who are they going to have a better track record with, a sales major or a history major? Well, probably the sales major. So the benefit of our program is we can now be... So when you look at the history major, they've got nothing in their background or on their resume or on their LinkedIn profile they can point to that says, oh, yeah, I actually do have an interest in business and I have some experience and education that can back that up. They've got nothing. So B-School for them is going to be their opportunity, first and foremost, to learn and start to acquire knowledge and skills that they'll be able to use in the business world. But it also becomes a... um, it, you know, it's it's a it's a credential for them. They can now actually put it on their resume and on LinkedIn. Says, "Hey, look, I went, I got a B school certificate." It showed, and now I can talk about it in my interview experience about the kinds of books that we read, and the experiences that we had, and the conversations that we had, and why this is of interest to me. Hmm. So it it'll so B school really is intended to fill that gap between I just graduated with what many people call a useless major. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the great majors. And but now we're going to connect them to a world that they were completely unaware of. And this world is unaware of them. And the world, this the business world needs them. They need these types of critical thinkers and great communicators yeah. to come in and become great superstar employees for them. And so I, I'm really excited about it. We're just launching it. Our first class we're going to be launching, we're planning to launch in September. Um, so we're, I'm really excited about it because we, not only is it helping these students, it can help the companies. And honestly, I think it can help, um, support these humanities programs that have been literally dying in colleges around the country. Right. So what, uh, when can students start applying again and what, uh, what is like your target audience or what age, um, range are you looking for when you look for these students? Sure. Um, and a lot of this is a work in progress as we talk to lots of students and, and recent alum. Um, but we're we're actually, the, our first class is launching in September and it's about two thirds, three quarters fill. So we do have a few slots left for our first class. And then, we've, and then we, after that, we plan to just continuously be launching mm-hmm. new courses. So if someone can't start in the fall, they could start hopefully in the winter and the spring and so on. Okay. Um, I think the ideal age or kind of where you are in your college track would be anywhere from you just finished your junior year of college and you're now thinking, okay, what am I going to be doing a year from now? And you're giving that real thought and consideration. So we'll be doing summer courses. So if someone wants to do the program over the summer after their junior year or after their senior year, um, it could be during your senior year. Um, or we're, a lot of our students are, they graduated you know, a few months ago or a year or two ago, and they had, they've had sort of a false start into the business world. They've gone to work for one of these companies that it's okay, but not great. And, but they still think they're interested in the business world and they want to give it, you know, another shot um, and get more of the teaching and mentoring that they missed. Mm -hmm. So most of the people we're talking to are say ages, you know, 20 to 24 um, but it's more kind of where you are in that college track. And right now we're primarily, we're really just targeting kids that are, 
um, humanities students that are just, you know, so, you know, maybe they have a year left or just finishing college or a year or two out. That's primarily who we're, who we're trying to serve. We've had other groups uh, reach out to us that have expressed interest. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see kind of where this goes over time, but that's the real vision and mission behind it is to serve that specific market. That's great. Uh, Michael, one more. We have one more Michael Ortner uh, initiative here to talk about. So we, we share a deep love uh, for the Catholic faith and the Catholic intellectual tradition. Um, tell us about Run With the Saints uh, that you're launching and what you're hoping to do here. Sure. It's runwithsaints.org. That's the website. But basically, it is a, it's a website that helps high school, uh, high school kids and their parents to better understand what the Catholic community is like at any college they're considering, not only before they go to and to help them in the decision-making process. Um, I'm not sure if it's the number one thing that you should be looking at when you're going to college, although maybe a case could be made for that for for a faithful Catholic. Um, Certainly the quality of the degree program, uh, where you want to major in, that's very important. Other things are important. But we want this to be one of the things that is a major consideration for parents. Um, we do think it's extremely important. Um, if you're if you want to grow in your faith at college, which you should, you're either growing in your faith or you're losing your faith. It's going to be one or the other, and it's hard to grow in your faith without a good community there. So um, it is it is for those high school students and their parents to help them discern what college should they go to, and then you know. Right when they are going off to college, they've now they've made their decision. Great. That first day at college, who are the teachers? Who are the administrators? Which groups hmm. should I be seeking out uh, to go get involved with? And at some colleges, it's their campus ministry. At other colleges, it might be a center that's formed there that they should be getting in group, involved with. At others, it might be an Opus Day Center nearby. Um, at others, they might not have any of that stuff, but maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a professor or two on campus who's a practicing Catholic who mm. could be your mentor. So, um, so that's who it's designed to help. And the way that we're, it's the content is being created is through the experiences of current students at that college or recent alum from that college who can go in and basically enter a review of the Catholic community at that college. So we've been doing outreach. We launched the review itself. We launched uh, 11 months ago, August 31st of last year. And we've had hundreds of reviews from students across. We've had about 100, maybe about 120 different colleges have reviews now um, from across the country. And these are both public schools, Catholic schools, um, other kinds of private schools. Um. And they're submitting reviews and they're submitting in-depth reviews. We asked them all sorts of questions in the review form about specifics around, you know, what teachers, what groups, um, et cetera. And so, so we launched the full site, the, the site just launched. So we launched the review August 31st of last year. And then we just launched the site like two months ago that shows all the reviews for all of these colleges. So, and we're still promoting it heavily uh, to all the different colleges that are out there, to their Catholic ministries, to go out and get more reviews. And the benefit to the colleges are um, sort of twofold. If they're getting great reviews, it actually becomes a great 
essentially a, it's a marketing vehicle for that college. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of colleges that are showing up that are a bit of a surprise. A lot of there's a there's a number of state schools. Um, you know, I think of UC Santa Barbara, uh, George Mason, UVA. You know, state schools that wouldn't be known generally for having great Catholic communities. We're getting lots of reviews for those colleges. Um, in addition to sort of the Newman Guide schools, like Thomas Aquinas College is our number one review getter so far. Hillsdale College is our number two. If you get it, they're not, they're not a Catholic school, but they have a great Catholic community. Hmm. Um, so if you have, if you're getting lots of great reviews, it can be great marketing to the Catholic community that's using this, uh, the site. Um, if you're getting bad reviews or no reviews, that can be a great sort of third. Now, this could be a third party evidence for, hey, you're missing out on, you know, 20 to 25 percent of the country is Catholic. Now, we recognize that many of those Catholics are in name only. So maybe it's not 20 to 25 percent of the country that you're really reaching, but five to 10 percent of the country is seriously Catholic. And there are amazing students that are coming from that population that you should want to be reaching. I mean, in the name of diversity, for crying out loud, you should be trying to reach those students. So if colleges are serious about diversity, they should be trying to reach every sort of you know niche that's out there. And the seriously Catholic niche is serious about education. Um, and many of them are incredible students, as we know. So there should be heavy competition for those students. If I'm a serious Catholic student, why would I want to pick a school that had that is known for being having no Catholic community or even worse, being incredibly antagonistic to Catholics? Yeah. So this could be the wake up. If you're not getting any reviews or you're getting only you know, primarily bad reviews, this could be your wake up call to, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe we should invest in our campus ministry or do something to serve that market. So okay. if that if that benefit can come out of it, great. But really, we want to be first and foremost, it's all about helping those students, high school students, be fully informed and in picking the right college that can help their faith their help help them in their faith life. Yeah. And Michael, this is already live. You've already launched. Is that accurate? Oh, it's already live. It's launched. You can go to runwithsaints.org now. It's all available there. So if you're if you're in college or you've recently graduated from college, please go, go submit a review. If you're if you're Catholic, go submit a review for your college. And if you're um, if you're a high school student or a parent who's concerned about this, go use our site. There, you'll get lots of great college recommendations out there. Lots of great reviews by the students. That's fantastic. So, so if you're listening to this, the more reviews you do, the more uh, current high school students you're going to be helping uh, in that process. So, uh, again, we are here with the one and only Michael Ortner, uh, investor, philanthropist, dreamer, visionary. Uh, Michael, it is great to be with you today. Thank you for your time. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. You too, Ariba. You guys have a great rest of your day. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.